0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks Podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too, my name is Justin Christopher, and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 197. We're talking about preseason week number three. It's finally happened. Preseason has ended. And so has our kind of last, you could say our last Dynasty data point before NFL rosters and Dynasty rosters get cut down to size. Man, as has been the case kind of throughout the preseason uh, so far this season, uh, some weeks there are, you know, games that didn't show us very much, and then sometimes there were games that really showed us quite a bit. And so I watched all that I could this week. I did have uh, my real job got in the way of watching every game like I like to, so I apologize for that. Sometimes real life happens, but I did watch enough of the games, particularly the ones that I thought could find some nuggets from a Dynasty perspective, so I wanted to share some of those with you today. So here we'll start with point number one. I'll say an unlucky. Or un- unlikely start, rather an unlikely start. I'm cheating a bit on this first observation because really it's a takeaway from week two, not week three. Um, after all, the Ravens did play on the Sunday night game last week, and that was actually after I'd already recorded the podcast about all of my week two takes. Since they were the late game, I watched that one later. But man, Isaiah likely he dominated the first half of the game, building upon an excellent game that he had in week one. Also, in this game, he had eight catches for 100 yards and a touchdown second-team offense, uh, playing the whole first half, uh, likely you know, proving the Ravens' you know unconven- unconventional draft strategy might be working again. If you remember right, actually, in 2018, the Ravens drafted Hayden Hurst in the second round, then Mark Andrews in the third round, doubling down on tight end, and then playing the best one regardless of draft capital, and that really made Mark Andrews' career uh, take off like it had. Now he's a fantasy superstar like he is today. Well, this year they did it again. The Ravens took Charlie Kohler, Um, And Isaiah Likely both in the fourth round, Kohler 23rd and Likely 34th. So again, Likely was picked afterward, but he looks like he's the one uh, that's really going to get the the hit gold again by doing these two tight ends in one draft, in this case two tight ends in one round. Uh, One of the questions Dynasty managers really had going into this offseason was which player would emerge as maybe the third most targeted guy in the Ravens behind Andrews and then Rashad Bateman in his second year. I think that we have an answer now. I really do think it's going to be Likely. Likely just played too well in this preseason not to be a part of their offense going forward. And Likely Hannah Andrews, you know, they're really both capable of being split out wide while the other plays in line. And so I think that we'll see a lot of sets with both of them out there. Uh, maybe not early in the season, but by the end of the season. I mean, after this preseason, they've got to find a way to do it because he's looked so good. It's definitely been a long time. I was trying to think back, like, when has there ever been two viable, you know, fantasy start in, starting tight ends? And naturally, you go back to the Patriots, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, back when both of those guys were startable every single week. All that to say, it has been done before, and maybe it could be done again. And maybe Andrews and Likely are the ones uh, to do it this season. What a great start. Now, actually, moving on to technically all the Week 3 news. Uh, Week 3, I'll say this. Rising tide lifts all boats. Baker Mayfield led the, the Panthers on two scoring drives in the first half while playing without his starting running backs or wide receivers. Um, and he looked like a quarterback that could finally lift the dynasty tide of everyone on the offense. His stats from the game against the Bills don't look great, but that's because several passes that he had were dropped by the backups that he was playing with. Uh, the Panthers, Panthers, I think, really have a good feel, from what I can tell, uh, for what Mayfield can and cannot do, because the offense on Friday night's game really focused on a lot of short and intermediate routes, lots of play action and bootlegs uh, for him as well. Almost half of, of Mayfield's 15 passes were to running backs, including one of his touchdown passes, which did actually get really Christian McCaffrey uh, managers all excited again, as if they don't need to be excited already. But gave me hope because he threw the ball down the running backs so often in that game. And then Shai Smith, he kind of stepped into what would really be like the DJ Moore role in this offense during this preseason game, and uh, did really well. Caught three passes from Mayfield. DJ Moore is probably gonna be really happy to have his most capable quarterback of his career. Mayfield still has a lot of flaws, in my opinion. He gets happy feet, uh, too quickly moves from the pocket, scrambles, um, and he kinda, as, as the phrase goes, he tries to write checks that is that he can't cash with his arm strength sometimes. Um, still, I think if they keep him confined to those little you know, bootlegs and play action passes, short intermediate routes, they're gonna make this offense move, and he could be the one that kinda lifts the tide Of all the boats, all the players, all the dynasty values of the Carolina Panthers. Next thing I'll say is I'll call it a welcome back flash. Just a flash of welcoming back. All the Saints starters were finally on the field for week three, except for Michael Thomas, unreal, injured again. But they looked very explosive on the opening and their only drive of the game. Uh, Jameis Winston led the team on an 11-play, 75-yard drive, he completed four four passes to Jarvis Landry with two, Chris Olave one, and Alvin Kamara with one. And as for Kamara, so good to see him back on the field, he's so fun to watch. He had four rushes, including a long 13-yard run that helped uh, set up the touchdown run. He actually had an 18-yard run, too, that was called back by a penalty. And Mark Ingram, he got the one-yard touchdown, and he even carried the ball two times on that drive as well. They're going to mix both of them up, I think. Really, it was just good to see Winston back on the field and see the first team offense together, minus Thomas, of course. Uh, Dynasty state managers were really kind of right to have a little bit of apprehension, you know, when you think about the Saints, but what are they going to be like without Sean Payton for the first time in uh, so many years? But they seem ready just to show that they can score points with their new play caller. I mean, the Saints really retained their offensive coordinator and a lot of their staff, offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael, and he's going to look to do things very similar to what we've grown accustomed to seeing them do under Sean Payton. What's more, they've got now the addition of Jarvis Landry and Chris Olave, which is going to make the offense even better then Sean Payton can have it because he just didn't have that kind of firepower, uh, particularly last year. Next thing I'll mention, I'll call it uh, taking command soon. I don't know if you guys listen to The Round, the NFL podcast. It's really one of my favorites, and they crack me up every time they do the soundbite. They've got the soundbite of Carson Wentz doing his best uh, Russell Wilson impersonation, uh, where at the end of his press conference, when he signed with the team, he said, it's time to take command. <laughs> it's like, okay. Russell Wilson can do it, he can say let's ride, but Carson Wentz just doesn't get away with it right now. Uh, I don't think Wentz can do it, he pulls it off and he's cheesy. Well, I bring all that up to say that I think there really is another commander in the, is able to, you know, eventually here, take command to use his words of the offense. And that's Sam Howell. He got a lot of work this preseason. In fact, the NFL, he was actually the NFL passing leader in the preseason, if you can believe that. He threw for 547 yards during the three preseason games. Uh, and he's made, you know, his share of mistakes for sure, but he really has looked more than ready to help the team, uh, whenever his name is called. He was just 24 for 35 on Saturday, but he threw for 280 yards and one touchdown. His day could have been even, been even better if his college teammate Naomi Brown had not dropped passes, including one drop in the end zone. I'm really excited to see um, see Sam Howell. Um, I'm glad that I have him one of my rosters in a super flex league. Um, even in a one-quarterback league, I think that I would keep Howell on my roster. I certainly would have had a taxi squad, but even if I didn't have a taxi squad, he'd be a player I'd be really tempted to keep. I think y'all know I don't listen to many Devi League, you know, podcasts, but I do listen to several scouting podcasts, and I always like to remember which players are considered like one of the top Devi players. Uh, particularly when they're thought to be maybe the top prospect at their position. And then, you know, the year goes on and some other guys seem to pass them by. But you remember that that not too long ago, people thought this was the best guy. Well, that's the way it was with Sam Howell. Many evaluators ranked Howell as the top quarterback in this class before he struggled in his final season at North Carolina. Um, I like his chances. I like to take chances on guys like that who were once thought to be the top prospect, especially when they fall in the NFL draft. So for now, Howell is behind Wentz and Taylor Heineke on the depth chart. But still, Heineke's a free agent after this season, and we all know Carson Wentz is like a mistake waiting to happen, so I'm really hopeful for Howell from a dynasty perspective. Probably won't see much this year, but dynasty-wise, I like what I see. Next one is kind of a funny one. I'll call it trade bait. Trade bait. Denzel Mims and Andy Isabella had breakout games this week, making me suspect that their coaching staffs featured them just to try to garner some trade offers. Uh, Call me a conspiracy theorist if you want, but I think it's true. Uh, Mims was reported to be on the trading block this week, so it made sense for them to feed him the ball on Sunday afternoon when the Jets kind of had the spotlight game to themselves. Uh, Mims had the best game of his career, you could say, catching seven passes for 102 yards and a touchdown, proving that the Jets want to see him on a new team. I would say, as do dynasty managers, if he's even on a roster in our dynasty leagues anymore. A fresh start usually doesn't help, you know, uh, players in cases like this. But dynasty value, you know, becomes interesting again if he does get traded. As for Isabella, <clears throat> he wasn't rumored to be on the trading block like Mims was, but his five-catch 115-yard day on Saturday made me kind of scratch my head and wonder if he's a player they're trying to, you know, pump up for a trade. Or maybe he's just a player that the Cardinals think they need to rely on early in the season when DeAndre Hopkins is out on suspension. I think uh, Isabella and Rondell Moore's skill sets are a little bit too similar for me, making the Cardinals... You know, I believe willing to trade Isabella if a team comes calling. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what both teams do with these players here when it comes down to roster cutdown weeks. Hey, it's going to be something we have to do uh, with our teams as well in our dynasty leagues. A couple more for you here from week three. I'll say a sleeper that's asleep. There's a sleeper that's asleep. I'm talking about Tyler Algier. He was a player that I targeted in the mid rounds of rookie drafts back in May. And uh, he's been following my rankings, though, with each passing week of the preseason. He did score this week on a short yardage touchdown, but he still ran behind Caleb Huntley and Codre Allison in the final preseason game, and that was without Damian Williams or Cordell Patterson, who both side out the games too. I thought he'd rise up the depth chart quicker during this preseason, but he's really just not shown enough of practice in the film uh, as well to prove that he could be better than the veterans that are ahead of him. Other dynasty managers were hopeful for Algier too because he went a lot higher than I expected in rookie drafts, and I was only able to draft him in one league. It was actually an auction league where I was able to get him in a rookie auction. I'm grateful in that league that I have a taxi squad because I think we're going to have to sit him for a season. I'm going to be really curious to see which of the five Atlanta running backs gets cut this week. I think one of them will for sure. Um, I don't know, probably Allison, <laughs> but it's going to be still Algier kind of buried in that depth chart. He's a sleeper, but he's also asleep right now. Next one I'll mention, I'll say it's not too late. I think it's not too late for David Njoku. I believe that he's poised to have the best, you know, his most productive season of his career. Better late than never, you know, say his dynasty managers, that's for sure. Uh, He cashed in a new deal this offseason, and then the Browns in the offseason, of course, traded for Deshaun Watson. You know, it's going to be the best quarterback that Njoku's ever had, although we'll have to wait, you know, to see him for the 11 games, that's for sure. But even while he waits for Watson um, to boost his dynasty value even more, I think he's going to see his dynasty value rise this season at the start of the season, too. Um, I'm really frustrated that I can't remember the exact uh, statistic or even who I heard it from. And Among all the podcasts that I listen to, I listen to a lot, but there was one where someone was describing that Jacoby Brissett has targeted his tight ends at an exceptionally high rate throughout his career. You know, he hasn't been a starter that often, but if you look at his tight end target rate, it's super high, and he targeted tight ends in this game, in this week three preseason game, six times in the first five drives, and I think that's what we're going to come to expect Um, even to start the season before Watson gets there. Njoku's never had more than 88 targets in a season. I think he's far going to exceed that this season with Brissette and then eventually Watson. I'm sure of it. Um, If I could find a dynasty manager that's down on Njoku right now, I would try to buy him for low um, before his production starts to climb this season and he finally gets to play with Watson. Then his value is really going to pick back up. Last thing I'll shortly say was Still got burst. He still got burst. It was great to see Raheem Mostert back on the field, and breaking away from would-be tacklers. Uh, Mostert only had two carries, but one uh, one was a 26-yard long run, the longest run of the game. And that's just how Mostert is. That's what he's going to do to help the team, and it's what he's going to do to help Dynasty teams. It's pretty clear by watching the preseason games. I think that Chase Edmonds is going to get the bulk of the workload in Miami, but Mostert, you know, he's going to spell Edmonds often, and he's going to offer the big play ability that Edmonds doesn't. And if Mostert stays healthy, always a question for him, uh, he's gonna be pretty hard to keep off the field. And I think that he will uh, cut into Edmonds' workload more than Dynasty managers would like for either of them. Mike McDaniel, the new Miami head coach, is a Kyle Shanahan disciple. So he could mess with Dynasty managers just like his mentor so often does. Um, I have far more shares of Mostert than I do of Edmonds. So seeing Mostert back on the field was great. Much welcomed sight for my eyes. Uh, even though I'm sure he's going to be injured again before we know it. Who knows? But it was fun to see him. I love to see his burst. That's a little bit of highlights from this last week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Sorry that's a shorter podcast this week. Like I said, my real life kind of got the best of me in my work life this last weekend. But it's going to be fun. Next week we're going to have our uh, Freaks draft, and I'll do one last report on the rookies and how the draft order has changed from May till September and then we're going to be off. It's going to be week one before we know it. It's going to be a blast to begin uh, looking at that together and actually having points uh, on the board in our games. That's a wrap this week. Freaky friends, thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. Much better on email than Twitter, so that's the best way to contact me. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast in Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. Help me move up those ranks. Hey, thanks for listening. I do appreciate your support. And I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the dynasty landscape until next time, you know what to do. Go out there, get freaky. Thanks for listening to the dynasty freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league.